Good morning, Trinity. I'm glad you're here. As the saying goes, all are welcome. So we're going to sing a song called All Are Welcome. You're welcome to join in on the refrain. If you can figure it out, the words will be up on the wall. All Are Welcome by Hans Peterson and Larry Olson. stranger at the banquet of the Savior. All are welcome, all are welcome here. From the woman who comes crying, leaving tears at Jesus' feet, to the man who knows the right way but cannot see. All are welcome, friend stranger at the banquet of the Savior. All are welcome, all are welcome here. From the ones who feel forgotten, those who sense their place is gone, to the ones who live in hunger, hear you At the banquet of the Savior, all are welcome, all are welcome here. Go into the streets and cities, to the farms and families. Tell about the splendid table, God's mercy. Happy to be here? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. See, I can't always hear you behind your mask, so I really give it a good amen. amen. All right, and thank you, Sheila, for that beautiful prelude. Thank you uh, to our musicians. Thank you, Carl and Ron. All are welcome in this place where we speak to each other repeatedly to remind ourselves that this is God's place. We're going to be doing some storytelling today. So uh, stories are easier to remember sometimes than long-winded sermons. So uh, we'll have a long-winded storytelling time. But anyway, uh, everything's going to be projected for you this morning as well. And you see that the table is set as you will all be invited to come forward to share in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. It is good that we are here. If it's comfortable for you, I would invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn is a, a great hymn of the church, Lift High the Cross.
continue now with a responsive reading, a litany for this Sunday, which uh, will be projected for you. We come to God's house. We come to God's house. Confident and afraid. We come to God's house. Believing and doubting. We come to God's house. Saints and sinners at the same time. We are greeted with open arms. We are greeted with a gentle embrace. Everyone welcome. Everyone equal. We love to sing your praises. We sing our hymn of praise, Lord, I lift your name on high. Thank you. 
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Lead us, guide us, inspire us, and feed us, that fed and forgiven we may go forth to serve. May we lift your name on high in our worship, but also in our lives. We pray in the strong name of our servant Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. is from the second chapter of Philippians. Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as best, as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that it was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, the word of the Lord. Thank you, Anne. This uh, next song, As We Remember, there'll be a refrain on the wall for you to sing along. Happens several times. Uh, points us toward the coming meal toward communion, but also toward that uh, humbling, humbling of ourselves before God, as we remember. As we remember, we are becoming what we see broken we hope to be show us your mercy show us your mercy your mercy harsh and lovely as the sea windfall of wayward scattered on sand 
Lavished by love we cannot understand As we remember We are becoming What we see broken We hope to be Show us your mercy Show us your mercy your mercy, harsh and lovely as the sea. No one rejoices or suffers alone. Meal of the Spirit brings many to one. As we remember, we are becoming what we see broken, we hope to be. Show us your mercy, show us your mercy. Your mercy, harsh and lovely as the sea. Temple not built by muscle and bone, House of the heart that God's people call home. As we remember, we are becoming what we see broken, we hope to be. Show us your mercy, show us your mercy. Your mercy, harsh and lovely as the sea. Each has been washed, each is anointed, servant and healer and prophet appointed. As we remember, we are becoming what we see brought. We hope to be, show us your mercy, show us your mercy, your mercy, harsh and lovely as the sea. Christ in the meal to which we are called, points for the cross and beyond into God. As we remember, we are becoming what we see broken, we hope to be. Show us your mercy, show us your mercy. Your mercy, harsh and lovely as the sea. Show us your mercy. Thank you, uh, Carl. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate that very much. Thank you all for being here. Are you ready for some practical Christianity? 
Okay, this is going to be very practical Christianity today, and we're going to do it through storytelling. And I think with the storytelling, what you're going to find before it's over is that Jesus is just going to crawl right up in your lap and help you to live better going forward from this day. Storytelling. I'd like to begin with my grandmother. My grandmother loved me. Her name was Irma, Irma Elliot. She lived in DeKalb, Illinois, in a home that was built by her father. When she was a teenager, her father died of blood poisoning after being cut by the belt of a bandsaw. Overnight, her family was thrust into poverty. There were very few social safety nets in those days. Still a young woman, she met my grandfather, and they would begin their life together, and one, two, three children would be born in rapid succession as the country was mired in the Great Depression. My grandfather, who was prone to dark, debilitating melancholy, lost his job, as many did in those days, and he was unemployed. Uncertain where the next meal was coming from, they relied on family and friends to survive. And after a season of searching, my grandfather found work three miles from home, shoveling coal into the furnaces at the Wurlitzer Piano Factory. Three miles, not far, if you have a car. He didn't. In the 1930s, my grandmother endured long periods of quarantine as two of her children in succession were stricken during the scarlet fever pandemic. After the war, my grandparents built a business and over a period of decades became small town affluent. But their home never changed. My grandmother never got a dishwasher. There were no remodels. It was the same home that her father had built. The only luxury she had was a blue Cadillac. And she would tool, use it to tool around DeKalb in style. I have many rides in that blue Cadillac. My grandmother loved me. Both my parents worked full time. There was no preschool. Consequently, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. She taught me how to play Chinese checkers, Yahtzee, and later Scrabble. We would make popcorn balls and fudge together with Grandma any time was the right time for ice cream or pancakes. And she taught me how to play poker. <laughs> Sitting at the kitchen table with a haze of cigarette smoke in the air, the cards would be dealt out and strategy would be discussed. She'd say, don't show your hand. Don't change your facial expression. Know the odds. Never draw to an inside straight. Never count your money at the table. Finally, and most importantly, she said, Jimmy, ending well is what matters. Win late and keep it. In January of 2016, I was asked to assume the role of the executive director of Trinity Lutheran College in Everett. Trinity was birthed in 1944 as the Lutheran Bible Institute of Seattle. The board of directors asked me to come in and lead them toward closure. 
The student body, the faculty, the staff, they did not know that the college would be closing. And I remember very vividly meeting with the faculty, a room full of PhDs, mostly unknown to me. These were Christian academics who had given much of their professional life to the college. And I, I was nothing more than a small town preacher who not only didn't have a PhD, but could not spell PhD. <laughs> we gathered together in a meeting room on the campus, and I told them that the college was closing after 72 years. Their jobs, their livelihoods, their security would be gone in May. Now, the college had a long history. The college had served its mission very well, providing Christian leaders, missionaries, and youth workers, and pastors. Those in the room had been good and faithful servants. They had done nothing wrong. The school closing was not their fault or their responsibility. And as I met with them, I had, I had nothing to offer them. No promise of severance, no promises whatsoever. What now? I explained to them that their calling had changed. The calling that was before us together now was to end well. To finish the work that was started 72 years earlier with honor and integrity. We were called to work together for our students and their families to finish strong, to guide our graduates, which included Deacon Amy, to the finish line, and to help those younger students to transfer with all their credits to other colleges. I told them, your job will be gone, but I'm asking you to stay on the team, to serve the students you love, to end well. And to their credit, by and large, they did stay, grieving and afraid they saw it through for their students. And on May 7, 2016, the 72nd commencement of the college took place at 10 a.m. A graduation, reception, and family photos followed, and at 3 p.m., we gathered for a service marking the closing of the college. Ending well. Let's consider how we might end well. Felicia and I had dinner some years back with a couple who had been married some 40 years. Their life had been marked by hard work and remarkable success. They had independent, grown children, multiple homes, some notoriety, age-appropriate, good health, and considerable wealth. We enjoyed the meal, we enjoyed the conversation, and then they shared with us their final life goal, the goal for their last third of life, and that was to end well. They had witnessed so many others who had squandered marriages or wealth or opportunities and reputations as they were approaching the finish line. And so they were planning with intention prioritizing their marriage, investing in their children, and seeking God's direction in their lives. The acclaim that they had received was of little importance now. What was important to them, they told us, was ending well. Win late and keep it. That's what my grandmother used to say. 
Now, there are lessons for us to learn this morning, but certainly one is that of intention. Intentional living. Intentional forethought. Intentional estate planning. Not living passively, prone to be blown about by the changing wind or seduced by the next marketing campaign or philosophy. No, Jesus calls us to live with intention, to see our life as a calling, to live well, and to end well. So what I'd like to do right now, right now is I'd like to look with you at the final intentional moments of Jesus' life. I believe that Jesus, our role model and Savior, has something to teach us today. And if we look at the biblical story, what we're going to find is there are four things that Jesus did in the final day of his life that might illuminate our journey going forward. The first was to wash the feet of his friends. This act of service was consistent with his life and his teachings. Sometimes, sometime earlier in the Gospels, Jesus had laid the groundwork for this whole new understanding of leadership. He gathered his disciples together and he said, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus washed the feet of his friends. He humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. His life was an offering, an offering of thankfulness that found its expression in service. Now, some time ago, Felicia and I were visiting a woman who was dying. We stood by her bed, holding her hand, telling stories with her husband. There was laughter. There were tears. She was mostly unresponsive, and death was closing in. An hour passed, and then another. Her husband lovingly wiped her brow and administered medicine. And then it was time to change her diaper. I was asked to leave the room. Felicia was asked to stay and help. A mother, a grandmother, a preschool teacher, she had changed thousands of diapers, but never for a friend. You see, no job is below that of a loving servant. Jesus washed feet. If we are to end well, we need to claim our place as servants, serving the little ones and serving the older ones serving our families, and serving the most vulnerable in our society. Jesus taught us that there is no greater title than that of servant. In the final moments of his life, Jesus washed feet. The second thing he did was to share a meal with his friends. Now his friends, I got to tell you, they were not perfect, far from it. They were somewhat clueless. They were not always dependable. If they borrowed a tool from the carpenter's shop, they sometimes forgot to return it. They were lacking courage. They were insecure. 
and Jesus ate with them. Bread and wine, a celebration of friendship in all of its messy complexity, a celebration of a shared journey with all of its many detours, a celebration that included singing and laughter and tears. You see, time was short, and Jesus showed us how important it is that we break bread together, to turn off technology, and to be clearly present with the ones who are present with us. The last 19 months or so have been hard, have they not? Yeah, COVID has robbed us of the gift of sharing meals with friends old and new. Robbed us of time with our families. We've not had a single church potluck in 19 months. And I miss it. But I think we have a greater appreciation now for simple things that we may have taken for granted in pre-pandemic days. How do we want to live out the days of our lives? How are we going to end well? Jesus washed feet. Jesus ate with his friends. And the third lesson we learn from those final hours of his life, Jesus prayed into a mystery. After washing feet and breaking bread with his friends, Jesus walked out of the holy city. He walked down through the Kidron Valley to a garden on a sloping hillside on the Mount of Olives. His life would soon be over, and he was troubled deeply. He was worried about his friends. He loved this world so and the tender mercies of daily life. And what was before him now was a violent death. There was nothing about the road ahead that looked appealing to Jesus. And so Jesus prayed in the darkness of a night of betrayal that would soon turn violent, Jesus prayed. He prayed for courage. He prayed for strength. He prayed saying, perhaps there's another way. Perhaps he did not have to go to the cross. You see, he was fully human. And what was he doing? He was praying into a mystery. He put his faith in something outside of reason, outside of his control. He had to trust something bigger than himself. He had to trust something that's mostly hidden. Jesus prayed, and the prayers fell silently to the ground. It was ominously quiet. In the darkness of that garden, the heavens did not rumble. There was no voice from above. He prayed, and as he prayed, tears ran down his cheeks. How many times have you been there in your life? How many times have we prayed fervent prayers for healing or direction? How many times have we been crushed to our knees in prayer only to experience the silence of God? How many times have we shaken our fists toward heaven, angry that no one appeared to be listening, that no one appeared to care? How many times have we fallen to the ground with tears falling from our cheeks, slipping to the ground, joining the tears of a thousand generations, watering a human pathway of despair and doubt and misery? Jesus prayed into a mystery, and the silence was deafening. 
if we are to end well, we must learn to trust in a God who is beyond our understanding. Jesus received no answer. But he did somehow find the courage. The courage to put one foot in front of the other and to go forward to death. And perhaps the strength he found was the answer to that prayer. Let's be honest. We pray into a mystery. But we are somehow better. And we are somehow stronger. And we are somehow more able to face the challenges of life and death when we pray. Washing feet, eating with friends, praying into a mystery. The recipe for ending well is coming together. It's very practical. It's almost complete. But it will never be complete without the final step. We cannot live well and we cannot end well without embracing the most important lesson given from that cross. Jesus was hanging there. His heartbeats were limited. The sand in his 33-year hourglass was about to run out. Blood dripped from the wounds in his back. A crown of thorns dug into his scalp. Each breath for him was labored and painful. He had lived and loved. And now he'd been betrayed and denied and falsely accused and tortured. He would take the memories and the love with him. He would remember now his mother's love. He would remember carefree days in the carpenter shop. He had learned so much on this journey of 33 years. He had experienced so much joy. That's called life review. Life review offers us an opportunity for perspective a genuine appreciation for the blessings that have been ours in this life. Life review can assist us in ending well. But the final ingredient, the final ingredient in our ending well recipe is about to be revealed to you. Jesus was about to cross over, but he would not be weighed down. He would not take the burdens of this world with him to the other side. He would leave them on the cross as he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgiveness. That's the final lesson. That's the final piece in the puzzle. Forgiveness. Words of forgiveness. The release of grudges. The refusal to carry anger to the grave. That's what Jesus taught us. If you want to live, learn to forgive. If you are to end well, we must learn to forgive. If we are to fly away free, then we must free the prisoners that we have kept so long in cells of our making. We must learn to forgive as Jesus did on that cross. Ending well. Practical advice from the last 24 hours of his life modeled for us, washing feet, 
eating with friends, praying into a mystery that we do not understand, and learning to forgive. Got it? <laughs> My grandmother loved me. She taught me how to play poker. We shared hundreds of meals together, just the two of us. I was with her the day she died at a hospital in Chicago. HIV was taking her life. Her immune system was depleted. I prayed into a mystery. I tried to make some deals with God. But God had gone silent. I was laying on a table. My blood was flowing out of my veins and into a bag. We were a perfect match, my grandmother and I. It was hoped that my blood would give her blood a boost. And then the nurse walked in. She walked in calmly and unhooked the bloodlines. And she said, it's too late. Go be with your grandma. I walked into her room. I took her hand. And you know what? The fudge was gone. The popcorn balls were no more. And her small town affluence didn't mean a thing. She breathed her last. My grandmother loved me. She ended well. May we follow the one who taught us in the last 24 hours of his life how to live, how to die, how to end well. The gospel of the Lord. When it's all been said and done There is just one thing that matters Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and All my treasure will mean nothing Only what I've done for love's reward Will stand the test of time Lord, your mercy is so great that you look beyond our weakness and find purest gold in miry clay making sinners into saints I will always sing your praise Here on earth and never after, 
For you've shown me heaven's my true home When it's all been said and done You're my life when life is gone When it's all been said and done There is just one thing that matters did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? Lord, I live my life for you. you to stand if it's comfortable as we lift our hearts to God in prayer. Anne's going to come forward and lead us in the petitions of the prayer and we have a sung response. Carl, you want to tell us about the sung response? The sung response is um, all of us belong. It'll be on the wall for you there. And um, just a reminder that we are all part of this sacred circle. We'll sing it twice each time we go through it. And um, it goes like this. All of us belong, each and every one. All of us belong in this sacred circle. All of us belong, each and every one. All of us belong in this sacred circle. today for the 26th of September, 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Friends in Christ, God invites us to hold the needs of our sisters and brothers as dear to us as our own needs. Loving our neighbors as ourselves, we offer our thanksgivings and our petitions on behalf of the church and the world. Let us pray. We call on you to guide all those in this land to seek justice. Bless and renew our hearts and minds so that we may see with your insight, mindful of the calling to walk in your way of peace and reconciliation. Seed in us the desire to be agitators for holy change. God, you call us to your side. All of us belong, each and every one. All of us belong in the sacred circle. All of us belong, each and every one. All of us belong in the sacred circle. 
Renew right spirits in the hearts of all political leaders on this planet so that their actions will restore all people to their rightful justice, mercy and peace. We pray especially for Haiti, Afghanistan, Hong Kong, and the places we each hold in our hearts. God, you call us to your side. All of us belong, each and every one. All of us belong in this sacred circle. All of us belong, each and every one. All of us belong in this sacred circle. Oh God of joy, we offer thanksgivings for elders in our midst who have been faithful witnesses of commitment, love, and community shown by their life in you. Especially today, we give thanks for the lives and the love of Webb and Marion Halverson as we celebrate their 103rd and 102nd birthdays and many years of marriage. We thank you for their presence among us. God, you call us to your side. being prepared to take up the cross rather than buy into the pressure of dehumanizing and demeaning others that places avarice before generosity. Let us not fear the stranger or the refugee, but gift us with the desire to share in joyful community. Make us into catalysts for relationships Form us as people who become nourishment for the world. God, you call us to your side. Loving God, calm the fears and pain of all who have died or are afflicted by illness, turmoil or doubt, and refresh the energy of all who give them care. You see those who have suffered from this virus and its variants. Let them know the joy of your saving help, that they may return to vibrant life within the community even as we protect ourselves, our others, by protecting ourselves. God, you call us to your side.
God of justice and joy. Salt our souls with the fire of Christ's love, that we may live and act through your name. We ask this through Jesus, our teacher and redeemer, and through the Holy Spirit, who together with you are one God, now and forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a pandemic greeting with one another. Thank you, uh, thank you for sharing that greeting of peace. After the service, would encourage you to come on over in the coffee hour, come on over in the gym. The doors are open, the air is moving. Get some coffee and cake and cookies and spend a little time in fellowship. You're also welcome to get that and go outside. If it's not too blustery outside, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, altar flowers today, the flowers behind me on each side are from Steve and Joanne. Right, they're 12 years, these young newlyweds. Wave at us there, Steve and Joanne. Yeah. And the beautiful flowers uh, right in front of the pulpit are in memory of Jean and Frank Poff, who were uh, buried here yesterday in the columbarium. Uh, Nancy Steiner uh, as mom and dad, and um, Kathy Wilson's mom and dad as well. So we celebrated their life and 71 years of marriage as we laid them to rest in the columbarium, so we're thankful for that. Um, Deacon Amy, do you have something for us behind the mask? Good morning. Uh, fun things coming up. Sunday school continues to happen for adults and kids between services every Sunday morning. So arrive at 9:10 and head on down the hallway for lots of great topics and information. This morning after this service at 11.45, we're asking confirmation students and parents to gather in the fireside room. This is our orientation meeting for the year to go over our plans and schedules for the year. So that's for all of our sixth to eighth grade students, again, students and parents down in the fireside room. Uh, youth group is continuing to meet on campus in person. Tuesdays is for high school students, we meet at seven o'clock. And Wednesdays for middle school students, we meet at four o'clock. And now that the burn ban has been lifted, we'll be back to roasting marshmallows every week out in the courtyard. <laughs> um, next Sunday morning, we are celebrating St. Francis of Assisi with our blessing of the animals during the 1030 worship service. So don't bring your animals at 8. Come back at 1030. 
and uh, we're asking all well-behaved and moderately tidy animals are welcome to join us in worship for a blessing. And then uh, Holy Spirit Lutheran Church in Kirkland has invited us to join in for a virtual class. This is a Crossways Bible study, um, a really well-known program, really in-depth theological biblical study, and we are invited to do this online this year. So there's a flyer and um, sign-up information out in the gym, and then I'll also send out a link in tomorrow morning's newsletter email. So a really great offering um, to be included for a weekly video and then an optional Zoom meeting each week. So that's all I have. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Get those animals here next, uh, <laughs> next Sunday at 1030. Uh, so um, 1918, Spanish flu pandemic. World War One time zones were put into into use for the first time in the United States. Uh, lots going on. Uh, 1918. We're celebrating a birthday. You know this, uh, Mr. Halverson. Webb Halverson in the back, right there. He's waving at me, and his young bride next to him, Marion Cole. And these two were were uh, young. Uh, they dated when they were very young. There they are. No, that's. So they were hanging out together in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, with Al Capone and members of the uh, <laughs> members of the Chicago Cubs and White Sox. And uh, Webb was a caddy there at uh, Bigfoot Country Club. And these two found love all those years ago, and then found each other. And um, we are celebrating with you. Mar uh, uh, Marilyn's birthday is not till January. She'll be 102. Webb's birthday is Tuesday. He's going to be 103. And everyone who turns 103 qualifies for a cake, and we will sing to you. So let's all sing happy birthday to Webb and Marion. Members of the greatest generation, I should say too that uh, Webb served his country in the Army in World War II, uh, came in on Utah Beach in Normandy. So, um, okay, we sing happy birthday on occasion to many of you, but uh, rarely do we have a follow-up song, but Carl and Deb have a follow-up song because you are 205 years old together. It's, well, we don't even need to say the title, do we? Because <laughs> it'll be clear. We've got an old love, one we never will get tired of, one that fits us like an old one to warm the winter day. We don't have to say I love you quite as often as we used to. All love just goes without saying. 
say it anyway. I met you beneath the willows when we were young, a little shy. We would sit and talk for hours, watch the river rolling by. You would laugh at all my stories, and then at dusk I'd walk you home. Could have guessed we'd walk a lifetime. town we live in. Life's not exactly as we planned. I always meant to give you diamonds, but you still wear that same gold band. That old river keeps on rolling. We don't know just what's in store, but in spite of all of I don't love you like I did. No, I love you so much more. We've got a moment we'll move towards the celebration of Holy Communion. Uh, the ushers will help you to come down the center aisle towards our little Jordan River there, the baptismal font. Hold your hand out to receive the host, the body of Christ, then go ahead and consume uh, the wafer. And then you move to the next station. The next station has individually poured uh, glasses of grape juice, the blood of Christ shed for you. Receive that, go ahead and consume that, and then just drop the empties in the basket on each side. If you're not comfortable receiving the host, uh, just cross your arms and you can still receive uh, the blood of Christ. Uh, you've received fully 
uh, if you receive one or both. If you prefer gluten-free, we do have gluten-free. Just let us know as you come forward. <laughs> Most importantly, know that all are welcome. There's only one host here. It's not the Lutheran Church. It's not Pastor Jim. It's not Deacon Amy. It's Jesus, and he invites you to come. So it doesn't matter where your journey's taken you in the past. It doesn't matter if you've never been with the Lutherans before today. You are always, always welcome here by the invitation of Jesus Christ. So know you're welcome. If it's comfortable, I invite you to stand. We move now to a rather simple table. A simple table like one that Jesus gathered with with his disciples. A simple table that welcomed your parents and grandparents and will welcome Christians across the globe of a variety of colors and denominations this day. As we gather here in this place, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed and Jesus was gathered with his betrayers. He was sharing a meal with his friends. He had just washed their feet. He took the bread that night and he gave thanks. He broke it and then gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again after supper he took the cup and once again he gave thanks. And he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in Gifts of God for the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated.
If you see your brother stand by the road with a heavy load from the seeds he sowed, and if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say you're going the wrong way. You've got to try a little kindness. Yes, show a little kindness. Sign your life for everyone to see. And if you try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of the narrow-minded people on their narrow-minded streets. Don't you walk around the down and out. Lend a helping hand. Instead of doubt And the kindness that you show every day Will help someone along life's way You've got to try a little kindness Yes, show a little kindness Shine your light for everyone to see And if you try a little kindness Then you'll overlook the blind of the narrow-minded people on their narrow-minded streets. You've got to try a little kindness. Yes, show a little kindness. Just shine your light for everyone to see. And if you try a little kindness, then you'll overlook the blindness of the narrow-minded people on their narrow-minded streets. Of a narrow-minded people on the narrow-minded
Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you, now and always, in God's grace. Amen. Now, fed and forgiven, go forth from this place to make a difference in the world. As you go out those doors, find your place of ministry and service. And as you go, may God bless you, keep you, may God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And our sending him, how then shall I live?